Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and once again, I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Ron Darling is no darling at all. In fact, what he had to say in his new book pretty much makes him a rat. And speaking of rats, who's a bigger rat than Michael Avenatti, huh? Plus, the NBA and NHL playoffs are now upon us, with the Nets and Islanders back in where they belong. And one final word on the demise of Craig Carton. Lots to talk about here, so like I said, listen up everyone, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, you know, it's not like I enjoy calling somebody a rat, okay? And everybody, you know, has had a lot to say, and it's certainly got a lot of publicity. Ron Darling's new book, 108 Stitches. But rather than just skim, which, you know, I kind of saw excerpts and what the first week. I, I, I spent the past weekend really reading it and going over it. And I, I got to tell you, from a guy, anybody who's known me, for the 30 years I've been in this town covering sports, I made my bones in this town, in New York, being in locker rooms, speaking to athletes, being in clubhouses, on the field. And, and proud to say, you know, I had, had and still have a lot of relationships. And call it a rule, call it an unwritten rule, for lack of a better term, you don't talk shit about what goes on in certain instances. You talk about the game. I, I mean, if I see somebody or had seen somebody over the years fooling around, doing something he shouldn't be doing, that's his business. Drinking, carousing, extramarital affairs. That's his business. Stuff that, that this guy, Ron Darling, you know, some of the things that he did, I, I quite frankly, I think is disgraceful. Very, very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. And I'll tell you something right now. If a guy like myself... A reporter, sportscaster, 
or a beat writer or somebody wrote about some of the things that Ron Darling and his cronies did, trust me, that me or anybody else would be persona non grata in said clubhouse. Okay? You can bet your sweet ass on that. But l- let me first talk about the whole the Lenny Dykstra thing, because that, that was, quote unquote, the sexiest part. When I say the sexiest part, because that was the attention grabber. You know, I, you've heard me say this about any and everything and not sports related topics. You get into black and white. Be it Jesse Smollett or anything else, you get into black and white, you're going to get heads turning and people are going to pay attention. And this business of all of a sudden, Ron Darling coming out, talking about prior to a game, game three in the 86 World Series, that Lenny Dykstra is using vile unimaginable language in the in the words the, the description from Ron Darling uh towards starting pitcher oil can Dennis oil can Boyd talking about how he was sure worse than anything Jackie Robinson said or or heard being said now do me a favor Ron Ron Darling okay you're going to talk about were you were you there with Jackie Robinson? Because something tells me nobody heard worse than what Jackie Robinson heard. Okay? You had a Philadelphia manager by the name of Ben Chapman sitting on the dugout steps eating a watermelon. So let's stop with the bullshit dramatics. I, I really, really don't understand that. And you have no verification that it was said. And, and and folks, do not misread what I am saying to you now, okay? But what was being said 33 years ago, and what was, even if it was said, even if it was said, okay? What was said 33 years ago, what was tolerated 33 years ago, would not be tolerated today. Such as, you know, use of the N-word or whatever. It, it really, to go ahead and bring this up to label somebody a racist. And we know Lenny Dykstra is no choir boy, okay? That goes without saying. Lenny Dykstra is going to be the first one to tell you that. And I'm not a Lenny Dykstra apologist, nor am I a fan. Lenny Dykstra is a flat-out character. We all know about his screw-ups. Bankruptcy fraud. That boy was a grand theft auto charges, drug... I mean, he's had his issues. We know that. That doesn't make him a racist. And then in the book, again, this is Ron Darling. And in fact, I'm going to read 
He was a criminal in every sense, although during his playing days, his crimes were mostly of an interpersonal nature. Again, I'm reading from page 38 in 108 Stitches by Ron Darling. He treated people like shit, walked around like a shit didn't stink, and was generally a shitty human being. And just maybe the most confident, cockiest player I would ever encounter. Well, first of all, let's go back to he treated people like shit, he walked around like a shit didn't stink. I got news for you. Go ask anybody covering, and, and I wasn't there in 86, okay? I was there in 88. Go ask anybody covering that group. Which of those ball players on that team didn't walk around like their shit didn't stink? That was part of that whole cocky group. Of which you, my friend, Ron Darling, were part of. Talking about shit not stinking. I'm, I'm using his terminology. Okay? But to go ahead on, on, you know, call him racist and, you know, you know, talk about the, what he said was racist and hurtful stuff. And, and then he uses the term, it's only in retrospect that I started to feel somewhat complicit and that by accepting the gifts that fell in his way as a result of his ugly treatment of the opposing pitcher, I was an accomplice of a kind. You, you stop with this holier than now. Politically correct horseshit. Really? I, I, I just think, I, I think it's, you know, Ron Donnelly's been given a lot of credit for being a Yale graduate. God bless him. Smart man. Maybe Ron thinks his shit doesn't stink. That he's smarter than everybody for coming out with this. But to me, it's not very bright at all. I mean, I do not know what the purpose of this book was other than to... What is it? Just just nonsense. Just to hurt people. And dead people, too. And dead people, too, which I am going to get into that as well. But I, I like to know. I, I like to know. And I'm, what I said, I damn well mean. If I, Russ Salzberg, or any other sportscaster, sportswoman, sportsman, writer, beat writer, whatever... I mean, you, you you cover a team, or you cover the players, unless it's pertinent. And we're not talking to, like, God forbid, you know, somebody abusing a woman, um, killing somebody, you know, a drug dealer. I'm talking about what? 
You, f- first of all, uh, jock, bench jockeying, as, as Darling acknowledged, that's been part of the game for a long time. But to go back and talk about something that was alleged to have been said 33 years ago with no proof of it being said, and to the extent that it's pissed former teammates off, such as Strawberry or Doc Gooden says he never heard it. They're black players. At least the last time I checked, they were. I would think that stuff would piss them off. So that's that's the Lenny Dykes your bit, which I don't buy at all. But then there's... Gary Carter. Gary Carter, the kid. All right? Now, Gary Carter, first of all, if you remember, uh, it was a commercial a couple of years ago. What, what, what was, I don't know, if Stand Up to Cancer or something, or Stand Up to Cancer. Crash is looking at me, and, and he would hold up a sign, My Catcher, meaning Gary Carter, because unfortunately Gary Carter has left us uh, passing away from, from cancer. But he talks about Gary Carter in the book. And he talks about Gary Carter that he's coming one day and he sees his kids sitting on a, on his car and the kids are like filling out um, ballots for the All-Star game. You know, as if to say, well, you know, that's Gary Carter. Dad's paying us for every all-star ballot we punch out by his name, one of the kids said. And that was Gary Carter for you, according to um, Darling. That was Gary Carter for us. Kid would do whatever it took to win. He wouldn't break the rules, but he would work them to his advantage. Really, he was one of the smartest teammates I ever played with, one of the shrewdest catchers I ever pitched to. And here he was, gaming the system, unabashedly putting his kids to work to ensure that he received his due. And it's not like he didn't deserve to be named the National League All-Star team starting catcher. He'd been the best catcher in the game for a decade, but Kid wasn't the type to leave anything to chance. This is your friend, your catcher. What's the purpose of that? Explain to me the purpose of that. The guy is dead. Your teammate is dead. To me, that's worse Know what you're saying about Lenny Dykstra. The guy is dead. Yeah, Gary Carter was one of the most accessible guys you could imagine. Always friendly. Unlike a lot of guys that I know that would, you know, pick their spots. They would speak to the, only the right person or the wrong person. Or, you know, not not the person. You, you follow what I'm saying? I, explain to me. 
ex- some somebody explained to me the purpose of what Ron Darling needed to express this about Gary Carter, his teammate. And th- then he also he happened to bring out something that uh, this I got a kick out of. He was talking about um, him being a Montreal Expo. Okay? Let me get to this point. Uh, He goes, it's one thing to crave the spotlight when you're playing in the frozen tundra of the great white north, where the fans were still kind of feeling their way around the game's traditions and nuances, and where your teammates might dismiss you as a showboat or a camera hog. Okay, he supposedly went out and learned French so he could give himself an edge in grabbing commercials and endorsement deals. Très bien, kid. Well, let me tell you something. See, I went to college in Montreal. Mr. Smarty Pants, Ron Darling, I went to college in Montreal. In Montreal, Montreal happens to be a bilingual community. French English. In fact, I might have never left Montreal when I got out of college had I spoken French fluently. I thought it would be a problem for me. So as a guy who was a star athlete in Montreal, it made perfect sense for Gary Carter to want to go ahead and learn to speak French for a variety of reasons. Sure, if it helped him get endorsements, why the hell not? It also would help him communicate with the French media, which is very big in Montreal. And you know, I'm going to tell you something else, folks. To this day, one of the regrets that I have is that I never learned Spanish. I'm dead serious about that. I remember when when I started my career up in Toronto, and Toronto was one of the first teams to have an abundance of Dominican ballplayers. It was George Bell, Adamaso Garcia, Tony Fernandez, um, Manny Lee. I'm just throwing out some names. And, And I remember being up there, and, it, you know, I, I actually was thinking of doing it, and then I ended up coming here to New York, and I still wish I, I had done it, because I just felt it would have helped me communicate. So to me, Gary Carter learning French was a smart thing. Okay? But you're talking about Gary Carter, your catcher, and your... T- what to explain to me? Somebody please explain to me what the purpose of this was, other than to embarrass the name of Gary Carter. He's dead. Okay? And, you know, people say, well, well did he need the money to, to, to write this book? I don't give a shit if you needed the money or not. It's flat out wrong. It's flat out wrong. It's disgraceful. 
So you have the Gary Carter incident situation, and you have the Lenny Dykstra situation. You know, you, you know, you're going to tell me you go you tell people you, that you got in text from teammates. Well, who's backing you up? I know, I know guys who aren't backing you up are coming forward. But the worst of it all, the worst of it all, was what he had to say, Ron Dong did, about the beloved radio voice in a Mets, Murph. Beloved Murph, Bob Murphy. He talks about in the book, you know, prior to, uh, you, you know, the, the um, big series in Houston, playoff series in Houston, they come in, and there is Murph, passed out drunk on a trainer's table in, in the middle of the room. Or trainer's table, whatever table it was. Drunk in the middle of the room, and I'm, I'm, they're, they're having a meeting. and He's talking about this. Now, as I said before, there's another guy who's dead. Just like Merv's dear friend Ralph Connor is also dead. I would have loved, I would have paid money for him to write something like this, even if Murph was gone, but Kiner was still alive. And to, for him to look Kiner in the face and disparage his friend like that. Disgraceful. Yeah, I like, I would really like to have known Somebody coming out with a story about, you know, Ron Darling and his friends, his cronies, and their escapades. About having maybe one too many. I would be persona non grata in that locker room had I reported something like that. And you know what? Well, I should be. Nobody gives a shit about that. Really? Nobody cares. But there was something interesting that really caught my attention on it. Because as I was reading it, um, and I went over it again this weekend, They were talking, what the hell is wrong with Murph? And Davey Johnson, who was a skipper, who'd been running the meeting, took it on himself to answer. He said, the doctors are on their way. We think Murph had a stroke. Darling goes on to say, he said this without missing a beat, as if the fact that the team's longtime radio announcer was passed out in the middle of the room had been discussed and carefully considered by the powers to be. Of course, we've been around long enough to know that a stroke was a euphemism for being blackout drunk and that there were no doctors en route, so we let the comment sink in. Interesting, though, because having read in this past Sunday's uh, Daily News, Bob Raisman, uh, longtime media sports critic, long time, longer than I'm I'm here, and that's 30 years. Uh, You know, he was talking about Darling and, and the book, 
But he talked about this Murphy incident. And I'm going to read a little bit from just what he wrote. According to a 1986 Hartford Current notes column following game two of the 86 NLCS by Claire Smith and Owen Canfield, Murphy was admitted to Methodist Hospital in Houston before game two for observation after suffering a slight cerebral spasm. He was resting comfortably and is expected to be hospitalized for a couple of days. Ralph Kiner worked in Murphy's place on the radio broadcast of the game over WHN. Hmm. You think that might have had something to do? Like, I don't, first of all, I don't give a shit if that had anything to do with it or not. But the fact that we're disparaging Murph, laying spread out, drunk, passed out. Now, if Darling didn't know about this, okay, he didn't know about it. But, geez, you would think somebody would know about it if he would have such detail. Hospitalized, resting comfortably. Ralph Kiner took over. What am I missing here? What am I missing here? This, to me, was flat-out disgraceful. I do not understand. The more I read about it, the more it pisses me off. I remember, you know, when Murph passed away, when Bob Murph passed away, the Mets, they had a memorial service at, at St. Pat, Patrick's Cathedral. And it was either before, maybe it was afterwards. Maybe it was after. Right in the cathedral. I remember, you know, we were interviewing some of the guys. One of the guys was Ron Darling's, you know, one of his partners on the SNY broadcast. Um Keith Hernandez. Like yesterday, I remember Keith saying, yeah, Murph was one of us. We used to drink together. So here's a guy who used to drink together with, with the guys. He's dead now, and you're disparaging him. Explain that to me. Explain that to me. Because I will, I will never, ever understand this. And, folks, the reason it pisses me off so much, because i covering sports for so long and, and being in various clubhouses and locker rooms and dugouts, field of play, there are just certain things you don't talk about. It's not necessary. It's not pertinent to anything. Now, if Murph came on the air, shit face hammered, or a player walked up to the bat, or, or standing at the line of scrimmage, shit face drunk, well, yeah, that's a different story. Come on. As I said, I think I think it's absolutely disgraceful what Ron Darling did, and and I said he's not a darling. You talk stuff like that, makes you a rat. 
Not good. Not good at all. All right, let's move on. Speaking of rats, as I mentioned in my opening, we have Michael Avenatti, the distinguished attorney for Stormy Daniels. Okay, now now he comes out and uh, talking about how Zion... Williams, Williamson's mother allegedly got some money, but was from Adidas. And so now the Duke uh, athletic director says they're going, Kevin White says they're going to be investigating or, or looking into the attorney's allegations that Nike had paid Williamson's mom for consulting services when he was a high school recruit. A couple of things here couple of things here. First of all, nothing surprises me in this day and age with a recruit's family or something getting money from a sneaker company. I mean, that that's the shadiest of shadiest businesses. So nothing would surprise me if that's true at all. Nothing would surprise me. But this rat, Avenatti has been charged <laughs> with trying to shake down Nike for 20 million simoleons. All right? This this is your esteemed attorney, Michael Avenatti. This is what <laughs> this is what we're dealing with. You want to talk about a guy who s- squeezed his kisser into the public domain between Stormy Daniels and 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 Trump and everything else and, and and you know now he's trying involved in an alleged shakedown of Nike but you know and and that's what this was all about he's tweeting stuff oh my god i mean this guy is a creep a low life rat Again, folks, I I would not be at all surprised if there's truth to. I, I'm not saying it is true, but I'm, I'm forget Williamson or anything else. I just in this day and age, you know, with recruits, like to me, anything goes. So it, it would not shock me. I'm not saying I think he's guilty. It just wouldn't shock me because that's that's what the you know the sneaker business is with these companies. But Michael Avenatti, why do we pay attention to this putz? Huh? Really? Why? Can you imagine? Somebody said. Somebody said recently. Can you imagine that Stormy Daniels is embarrassed over attorney Michael Avenatti after the life that she's led in porn? She's embarrassed. <laughs> you can't make this shit up, really. 
That's another rat. On the good news, the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs are upon us. And the Nets and Islanders are back in. First, let me get to the Nets, okay? The job that Sean Marks, GM, and Kenny Atkinson, that these two men have done, words can't describe what kind of tremendous job they have done. And I mean that. I mean, they came in to not an awful situation, an absolutely horrendous horseshit situation. They took over a team that was depleted of everything, of draft picks, of everything, no room for freeze, nothing. And you want to talk going up against it with the deck stacked against you? That was Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson. In Kenny Atkinson's first year, they won 20 games. In his second year, they've won... Um, they won 28 games. And now he's got his team in the playoffs. And, and believe me, he lost one of his very best players this year for three months, Chris Levert, with the bad ankle. Who is really rounding out into for, very formidable shape. They've done a masterful, masterful job. And they need to be applauded. Atkinson and, and GM Sean Marks need to be applauded. Not a good job, a great job. And that's why, listen, you've heard me say this before. When everybody's talking about, you know, the Knicks got all this cap room for free agency. They can sign not one, but two max Great players, and we're hearing about Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. And I say, I've said this all season long. Well, that's fine, but if you're a player, why would you want to go to the Knicks and not the Nets, who have plenty of cap room? Why? And I'll tell you what, I love to see the Nets really, but I love to see them get a series love to see them get a series but just a good showing and everybody take notice maybe free agents are going to say yeah what what the heck i mean that that's a good young team d'angelo russell caris lavert jared allen spencer dinwiddie what are you kidding me what the hell am i worried about going to the knicks for i'm not knocking the knicks i'm just saying from a standpoint from, hey, Nets are a terrific young team. So kudos to Sean Marks and uh, Kenny Atkinson for getting the Nets into the playoffs. As far as the Islanders go, uh, you've, ser- uh, you've heard me say this time and time again. I will say it again. Uh, there is no better executive in sports than Lou Lamarillo president or GM, whatever his official title is, uh, of the Islanders. He was the architect of three Stanley Cup championships with the Devils. He went to Toronto, got that team really rocking and rolling. He comes to the Islanders. They don't lose 
a good player, they lose one of the best players in the league, John Tavares, and they don't miss a beat. Wonderful, wonderful story. He goes and signs Barry Trotz. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And that's why I've always said, you've always heard me say, and he's your quintessential example, Lou Lamarolo is. You can't, you, you, you care what the fans say, but you can't base your decisions on what the fans say. You got to believe in what you're doing, have a plan, and stick with that plan. They have done that. The Islanders have done that. Lamarillo's done it. He's done it time and time again. And he's got his Islanders in the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pretty damn good. So, I, I, kudos again to both the Islanders and the Nets. Because they're back where they belong in their respective playoff series. And one final word here on the demise of Craig Carton. You, you know, we've heard this week, you know, Craig got three and a half years. Um, I'm not good friends with Craig. I know Craig, met Craig, uh, always been nice to me, never had any, you know, uh, bad dealings with him, always respectful to me. Um is it a sad situation? Of course it. It's a terribly sad situation. The guy's going away. He, his marriage is in shambles. They are now legally separated. He's got four kids. Daddy's going to jail. It's terror. It's it's an, it's an awful, 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 awful story. I hope Craig. When he, and he, he gets, um, uh, he's got a report July 15th. I hope he gets his life together and he can move forward. Whether he does or he doesn't remains to be seen. You know, proof will be in the pudding. You know, he, he's saying all the right things now. He's an addict and this and that, but you know what? Uh, I've dealt with a lot of people, be it gambling, be it drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and, you know, talk is cheap. As head coach Tom Coughlin used to say with the Giants, talk is cheap, play the game. Don't tell me how you're going to be better. Show me. So the proof will be in the pudding. I'm not saying Craig is not going to do it, but proof will be in the pudding. It'll be up to him to get himself straightened out. The the only thing that I hope for Craig Carton is that he's not spending his time, because you know, I've heard the discussions already. Oh, when he gets out, you know, uh, he'll, he'll listen, he's a talented guy, and, you know, the, I'm sure there'll be books and the stories and this. That's all great. But I hope Craig is not counting on that now. What Craig should be counting on now is dealing with his addiction. So that's why I say talk is cheap. 
proof will be in the pudding. The other thing that, and this happens, I'm just talking about Craig now because it's the latest example. We see it all the time, be it in the sports business field, in the entertainment field. Anytime somebody gets into a problem with addiction, and it's a famous person, we always hear the same kind of, with the violin, Oh, isn't it a shame? Isn't it terrible? Look what, what, what what's happened to his or her career. Look what they've done to themselves. It's awful. Blah, 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 blah. And it is. Don't get me wrong. It is. But we don't say that about Joe Blow or Mary on the street. You know, the working stiff dad, a working stiff mom who never had a chance that the Craig Cartons had or be it a athlete or, a, you know, you know, entertainment star. We we always, you know, we, we cut the slack to the athlete. Oh, oh it's re- it's a redemption story. Let's give him a second chance. And I believe in that. I don't I'm not knocking the second chances. But it, it's it's strange how we're quick to give a star persona a second chance when it's just it's just Joe Blow on the street. Ah, eh, it's another junkie, another addict. Who gives a shit? A lot of hypocrisy in the world today. You know, it's it's all part of idolizing people. Again, like like really, I hope Craig can come back. I do hope he can come back. You know, I, I mean, the greatest part of anything was he can salvage his family. Screw his career. Salvage your family. I mean, I mean that to me is the most important thing. I'm hearing, oh, you know, you know he'll have a career. And he, I don't. Great. Salvage your family. That's the most important thing. So I wish him well in doing it. I, I just wanted to bring that up because you, you know, we just tend, what, what, everybody's guilty of it. it. Makes for great cop. It makes for great redemption stories. Let's see what happens. And No, I, I mean, why don't we have that same kindness in our hearts for Joe Blow Addict on the street? And we don't. We're quick to give an athlete a second chance if he can help us win. S- some working stiff. Nah, fire him. Get his ass out of here. We don't want any people like that around. Society works in very, very strange ways. So, I again, I wish Craig well and anybody else uh, who's suffering from an addiction... But it's got to start with you. You got to get yourself straightened out. And you got to want to get yourself straightened out. So like I said, talk is cheap. Go get it done. And that, folks, is a wrap on today. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. And now I like to get a load of you. So please let me know your thoughts on today's podcast. On Twitter, you contact me at Russ Salzberg on Facebook. You can also visit my website. RussSalzberg.com. My thanks as always to the big man across the way, Crash, 
a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, to my outstanding OG Podcast Network producer, Tim Einicle, the head of the OG Podcast Network, Chris Rudsky, Craig Schwab, 77 WABC program, program director, his outstanding assistant, Matt Dahl, and last but slowly not least, you guys and gals out there, because without you guys and gals out there, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. See you next week. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.